Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Conversations podcast. On today, we have such a treat for you guys. As you know, me and Derek, the two hosts of this podcast, we go to the same ministry. And on today, we have our teacher, our pastor, our shepherd, our mentor, Dr. Larry Smith on the podcast. And if you are truly an ambassador of the kingdom or someone who's seeking information on the kingdom, you are in for such a treat. He gives in so much knowledge, wisdom, and understanding um, on this podcast episode. So you definitely don't want to miss this and want to stay tuned throughout all of it. Um, we thank you so much for your continued support and shalom. Welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Conversations podcast. We have a, a very special guest with us today on the podcast. He is a man that has greatly influenced both of the lives of both podcast hosts here on this show. He is a man of Elohim. He's a husband, father, pastor, and amazing teacher. He is also an author, U.S. Army veteran, and an entrepreneur. He is currently senior pastor at Empowerment of Faith Kingdom Center for Ambassadors, where his wife, uh, Dr. Renee, is also assistant pastor. You can follow his ministry on Facebook at Empowerment of Faith Kingdom Center for Ambassadors, Instagram at EOFKC underscore, and YouTube at EOFKC. Uh, welcome on to the podcast, Dr. Larry Smith. Well, hello and good evening. I'm excited to be on with you. All right. How are you doing today, uh, Dr. Larry? Awesome. Blessed. Highly favored. Working hard in the kingdom, working hard for my family, and working hard to develop other agents of change in the kingdom. And that means I'm doing great. Okay, okay. That's uh, great to hear. Uh, well, we just have a, a few questions for you. You know, do a little interview. Um, uh, Derek, are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, how are you doing today, Derek? I'm good, man. Um, great to have our senior leader here. Uh, somebody who can hopefully give us more um, insight on just what it is not only to be a pastor, but be a husband, father, to be um, a leader who trains other leaders. And like he said, agents of change and just be able to share what he's taught us with anybody who uh, comes readily available to receive it from this podcast. And I'm more so than excited. I'm honored. OK, so uh, we'll just do a typical, you know, general icebreaker question. Uh, Dr. Larry, can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, um, you know, uh, your parents, how you were raised, were you involved much in, you know, what, what people would call the church when you were growing up? Was it not in your life a lot as you were growing up? So if you could just tell us about your upbringing. It'll just make it very short, brought up in the South, uh, worked very hard. Uh, basically, you know, we didn't have much. Everything we got, we worked for it as a family. Top cotton, pick cotton, raised hogs, raised cows, raised gardens. Uh, that, that was my typical environment uh, for a church concern. You went, you didn't have no choice on it, you know, and uh, it was just based on what uh, our parents knew. My parents both came out plantation. I'm the lower, um, younger of the boys. And um, of course, we had a big family, you know, just a typical um, Southern raised uh, Bible belt uh, I would use the word poverty, but I can't say that because we never had a poverty spirit. You know, even though we didn't have nothing, we never had a poverty spirit upon us. You know, poverty is a mindset. So basically, you know, uh, my parents did a great uh, job of what they had, and there was nothing uh, to get us where we are today. Okay, okay, great. Uh, did you have a question you'd like to ask, Derek? Of course. Um, should we jump right into it, or are we trying to ease into it? Set okay. the tones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Dr. Larry, as we know that we are not a part of uh, this westernized uh, Christian religion. Um, so my question is, what initially helped you pull away from Christianity? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, basically, uh, truth, original truth, and looking at what, in fact, the word the term, the concept, uh, what Christianity is. And uh, it was history, primarily uh, history, studying history uh, based on scripture, based on facts. Um, <clears throat> the word Christianity or Christian is in the uh, 
Bible translation, but it's not in the original Hebrew text. Uh, the only thing you find is Mashiach. I think two times you see the word Christian. And, of course, we know that that's not a Hebrew word. It's a Greek-Roman concept. So uh, looking at that and studying the scripture, finding out that Yeshua called Jesus, uh, never, ever came to establish Christianity, nor did he come to establish Judaism. He came to establish the kingdom. So with that being said, anything that Yeshua, the Lord, wasn't involved in, I don't want to be a part of. And I never had a problem coming out of stuff. If I find it, found out it was wrong, my, my parents told us that. Uh, if you stay open, keep an open mind. If something is wrong, stop doing it, you know. And uh, uh, relative to that, I had no problem with it because my foundation, even though I was raised a Baptist and things like that, my primary teaching of the word was done by word of mouth, uh, primarily from my mother. You know, my dad, he didn't go to church or nothing, but he taught a lot of principles. I'm the one that was able to read, you know, but even with that, we were based on uh, facts, acts, action. Uh, when whatever they, they talked, they did it, you know, and we went by that. So uh, same thing with uh, being raised as a Christian and um, teaching the word, even um, I passed it when I got out of the military. Uh, I, I wasn't in church, per se, put it like that. I, I just I just had enough seeing the deacons drinking and squeezing on girl butts and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want I knew I didn't want to be a partner like that. So I stopped going to church. So but when I got out of the military, you know, after having a vision, I knew that I need to find a place where I could be obedient, be a part of a congregation and uh, learn the word. So the church that uh, I was led to was a non-denominational uh, ministry, a word of faith centered teaching ministry. And uh, so when I got in that, that undid most of the stuff I had learned coming up, you know, just a word based, uh, what the word is teaching uh, type ministry, praise and worship, things like that. Uh, so that foundation there, along with uh, being raised up and mother teaching us, uh, you hear you hear what people say, but you you, you see what they do, and that's the real person. So uh, relative to that, that, it was no problem. But it was studying history, studying the word, studying Yeshua, uh, taking off the Roman Greco 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 Roman glasses, religious glasses, and just looking at the word for what it is. And that it just I couldn't long, no longer say I'm a Christian. <laughs> I can say I'm, I'm I'm an ambassador. The scripture does say, uh, oh, in uh, what's up, Corinthians five uh, twenty one. 2021, we are ambassadors for Messiah. Uh, Elohim working through us, uh, drawing, uh, winning the world back into himself through us as ambassadors or representatives. So it, it was based, that's what it is in a nutshell. Okay, great. Um, and I know that it'll be hard for a lot of people to accept that or even um, see where you're coming from initially without first having some questions about Christianity because I know my uh, wife was the one that actually questioned the religion. I really was all into it. Um, and I never even qu had a, um, I guess you would say, a notion to question it. Um, and it really also had to do, like you said, studying history. That was actually one of the first things the Holy Spirit told me to do was to study history. Uh, but that was great. Octavian, did you have a question? Yes, I had a question. Uh, you mentioned that um... You were born again, but then you went, uh, when you were going into the military, you decided that you weren't going to live like that, uh, that lifestyle anymore. Uh, what age were you when you finally accepted uh, the Messiah into your life? Um, and back in those times, would you say it was less of a challenge uh, than it is today to stay on that right path with all the things that you see are happening in today's society or would you say it was around about the same type of pressure you know uh temptations and things like that back in those times when you first got born again oh uh, well well first on the uh the age you know baptist so they said the age of 12 <laughs> get on the morning's bench but prior to going uh getting on the morning's bench i was already born again my mother talked to me about uh, the scripture being born again and uh, I was already had accepted Yeshua, you know, as my Lord and living for him uh, way before I went to church. Okay. And when I, I didn't so much as decide not to live the lifestyle, I didn't want to participate in church because I saw a clown show. 
You know, I saw uh, homosexuals directing the choir. I saw them singing in the choir, and I knew what the Bible said. What they were doing was not what the Bible was uh, said. I had no sense to read and see that. So I didn't want nothing to do with that. Yeah. I always said, yeah, I always said, if you if you show me some Christians, some real ones, <laughs> and you show me a church where they real and really doing it, I'll go to it. But until you do that for me, I'm, I'm not going. So I just, you know, I didn't. Now, in that state that I was in, in my mind, um, even though I wasn't living based on scripture, I was, uh, it was a turmoil going on. It was a fight, a battle going on because I wanted to. I wanted to know, but I didn't want to know from no fake hypocrite. I wanted to know the scripture. I wanted, because I could read for myself and they say one thing and do another. So I I never uh, turned my back like that, you know, and I respected those things and my sister uh, Prophet Sparrow in California. She was a uh, church god in Christ, and they would come and have a convention. And uh, when she would come, she would never pressure me to go with anything like that. But she was the only person I knew other than mom and a couple of people that really saved for real because of how she treated me and the things yeah. that she said. See, so uh, that's and, and so that was the Holy Spirit uh, here in my heart then. And then when I got to the military, I just had some awesome visions. That I knew when I got back, I just said, "You get me back, I promise I get it back together." And he did, you know, from overseas. So when uh, I got back, that's when I started seeking. Did nobody have to ask me to do nothing, you know? I was seeking. But uh, during our time when we was coming up, there wasn't for me a lot of distractions like it is. I mean, I didn't have time to be trying to uh, mess with no girls because we worked. You know, we went to school, we get out of school, we did our homework, changed clothes. I uh, went and picked up cardboard. Uh, we uh, left there and, and went, uh, got up, picked the hog feed up, and we went to the hog pen. And we got back home, you know, eight eight thirty. We, we did our chores. We got in the bed. We got up early next morning. We repeated on Saturday. Uh, we went down to the hog pen. We fixed fixed the fences. We uh, chopped the garden. We did this. You know, I, I got opportunity to play football for about an hour or two when I got home. And on Sundays when we got a break uh, from all that, but other than that. I, I didn't know anything else. I wasn't, there was no exposure. The things were out there back then, but at the same time, uh, uh, in the 60s, 70s, when I was coming, the change in the 70s, 70% of African-American families had both parents in home, over 75%. You know, so we had something, some type of foundation, some order. Uh, you didn't talk about nobody's parents. You did something wrong at school. And uh, on the way home, if the neighbors heard about it, you got a whooping from them. And then when you got home and, and, and mom heard you got a whooping, uh, Miss Sally whooped you because you was being bad, then you got another whooping. So we had, you know, the, uh, the community uh, help in terms of bringing us up. We were not out there just by ourselves. So, But now um, you got everything. I mean, the parents don't know anything, you know, from what I'm seeing. Uh, they, they're not training the kids anything. And all of that, you know, a lot of it was lost. However, there's more knowledge today, more access to knowledge today. And I tell my sons often, if I had access to knowledge uh, like you all have it today, everything would have been told. I never would have went back. I mean, I never would have uh, went through that stage in my life because I would have been able to get gain knowledge. Uh, the words say this in Matthew, y'all who called Matthew uh, 13, around verse 33. He said, to you have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, to those who were seeking. And in that time, uh, Yeshua, in that time, the culture relative to learning and things of this nature, you would have uh, 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 what I call student scholars uh, would follow rabbis or master teachers, follow their school of thought, what they taught. They would just gather around them, and they would sit down, and the master rabbi, the master teacher would teach them, and they would, they would support them, and they heard them coming. They would travel from town to town teaching their school of thought. Uh, so that's the uh, precept of the kingdom is, is, is designed for people not to necessarily have to have nobody run after you and beg you to come to church, but for that person to be seeking and based on their seeking and their demand, then that, that uh, master rabbi would always show up and they would become a, a, a student of their school of thought. So that would offset it, even though then there was, there was more structure, uh, more value, more honor to parents. You didn't back talk to parents, disrespect your parents. You didn't make friends with people who didn't like your parents. There was more loyalty, uh, even after all the damage that uh, the prisoners of war our ancestors went through during when they had us in bondage. It, we just we, we still suffering and hurting from that. 
and and I, with, with all of that, you know, was still able to hang on, and then the change came, you know, and the father was redefined. Now the father was redefined. The foundation basically wiped out, and then now you have all the other stuff come in. But uh, however, you still have enough knowledge uh, to offset that. So uh, that's the way I see it now. You know, that's why I see it now. Hopefully, I didn't take too long answering that question. No, you didn't uh, take long at all, and. Uh, just to comment on a few things, I know a lot of people feel like that um, nowadays with all the knowledge that's out there, that when you go to a lot of these uh, religious churches, that you feel like, you know, the people that are there or even, you know, uh, the pastor who's over the place that, you know, they don't have as much understanding that you like to feel like you're being fed or that you could be led, you know, uh, shepherded. You know, in the words, you know, I've, I've been to churches myself where you go to Bible study and, you know, the guys say one scripture and the rest of the time he's talking about taking out the trash at his in-laws house or, you know, how he treat, you know, uh, certain people when he's at work. And it's like, you know, man, when are we going to teach the word? You know, <laughs> when, when are we going to hear some something of some sustenance? And um, also, I agree that there's so many distractions and things today that kids and, you know, even uh, older people that they can get caught up in things that will distract you from leading you into taking your time and really focusing in your time in the word and, you know, learning who you are and building your relationship with Elohim. You know, for me personally, it took Elohim literally taking me into a whole different city where I didn't know anybody or anything and I was by myself most of the days to where he could work on me and get things going for me. So, uh, Derek, you have uh, the next question? Of course. Um, so I know that you founded Abundant Faith World Ministries in 1999, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, so that'll be you've been pastoring for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, twenty years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So my question is, what is one of the hardest things about being a pastor? Well, the hardest thing about uh, uh, pastoring is moving people out of position that they either been qualified for, you put them in there. Uh, you put them in the wrong spot or they just not doing what they need to do and correct them. You know, it seems that, I mean, it seems as though I don't have no problem correcting uh, because when I do it, I know the Holy Spirit, that's what he told me to do. But I run into the same uh, brick wall every time I need to move somebody uh, from a particular area because I know, I know they, they, they are violating qualifications of their position is not going to work. It's going to mess everything up. Now, however, after now at, at the stage, the level I'm at right now, I've, 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 I've overcome that. You know, I just go to a person, you know, because the pastor be thinking, well, if you correct them, the first thing they want to do is leave and you need them and you're trying to build, you know, and you just won't have nobody. Well, so be it. It's not nobody belongs to me and um, Holy Spirit, I'd rather <laughs> obey him. You know, I just rather obey him and do what he tell me to do. And because if I don't, then it's my ministry, it's my church, it's not here. You know, they, these are my people. You know, so that's right. that's one of the, the most difficult. But I, I've done it. I've done it. I had meetings with leaders and just told them, "Look, I ain't scared of you, 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 or you, or you over there. None of y'all." And I, I told them, and I, and I told them, that. I mean, if you're gonna uh, be beating your wife and slapping your wife, you're not playing all it. I mean, you're not singing mm-hmm. no choir. Uh, you out there trying to uh, talk to the women in the church and running up behind dress sales, you, you're not doing this. And with the ladies, if, if you can't keep your dress long enough to be discreet and project holiness, then you don't need to be up before nobody reading nothing, teaching nothing, dancing nothing. I set a whole dance team down. I said, because look, y'all just, I don't, all I see is flesh. I mean, you sit down, We I had uh, letters of qualification, applications that people agree. Uh, to have a certain lifestyle, have a certain moral standard, sign it, and then and lie about it. And I, I didn't like that. And come to find out, they they doing this and doing that and all this kind of stuff. And and when I got to it, I just told them, I mean, that's, that's it. So you know, I'm a musician. You know, I lost a musician. I 
so so be it. Um, I went to California. Uh, my wife and I would go to California. Uh, we came back, and uh, 25 to 30 people had left the ministry out of one life, somebody had told. And, you know, and uh, and uh, before I left, I, I met with everybody, and I told them, I said, listen, this was, I think it was 25, didn't show back up because I met with everyone. I met with the leadership. I had a bunch of leaders, and I met with some other uh, people, and uh, I told them that, Listen, this is the way we're going. If you don't want to go this way, I understand. You can go. I mean, I would tell them it's 15 doors in this building. You can take either one you want, and you can exit. Ain't nobody got no gun to your head or holding you back. <laughs> and just, that's just where I put it, because it's always whosoever will. We're not trying to force nobody. You know, it's witchcraft. And about 20-something didn't show up. I said, okay, now, since I got you all, you're telling me, that you're, you're for real about what you're doing. I mean, we're not here playing church or anything like that. If you want to learn, I'll teach you. But if you, if you want to be hypocrite and, and all this kind of stuff, I can't help you. You know, I can only pastor those, you know, who want to be pastors. They said, okay, pastor. So we went to California, came back, 25, 35 more people left. Out of one person, you know, told a lie that we went to California, started ministry out there, and we weren't coming back. And I found that out, uh, uh, evangelist told me, who was minister for, that she was at a ministry and saw some of the uh, people out there, and she asked them. And she said, no, that's not a bishop. He didn't tell you that. I, he, 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 matter of fact, he is back. So y'all need to quit lying. And she corrected him, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. um, you know, we went through all of that. You know, went through all of that. And uh, I didn't, they were too uh, uh, full of pride to, to they that they heard a lie, and on my end, the Holy Spirit told me, you need to see this, because you need to know who who is really mine and who is not, and these are not mine, because if these were mine, they would have never believed anything like that. I said, yes, sir, and I never liked that, so that's, that's probably one of the tough parts right there. Sound like you led you some Israelites. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had them with the braids, long braids, dreadlocks. <laughs> Same one that word Moses made him. <laughs> um, okay, I have a question that goes along with pastoring. Um, how did you know that you were called to be a pastor? Holy Spirit told me. I mean, when no, when no, when no doubt. Uh, even when I was backslid and my sister would come, she told me 20 years before I started pastoring that uh, the Lord uh, had chosen me to pastor people. And I said, yep. Okay then, I see plenty out there. I, you know, when they when they when they die out or something, I'll do it. You know, I just laugh about it. And on the inside, I already knew that because my thing is it's just enough. It's enough stuff mess as it is, and I don't want to be another one of the mess that was going on. You know, so I knew that. And as a matter of fact, when I was in the military, I was in correspondence school. I was in the seminary, <laughs> the correspondence school. <laughs> I was went to I took I was in Berean College, you know, because I still wanted to learn, and I knew I need to prepare myself, you know, because I just can't keep denying or whenever he showed me some real people or put me in a real place, I would accept it, and I I don't want to be uh, totally, you know, caught off guard. So I was, and what stopped me from taking those courses was that uh, we got in the area where much is given, much is required. And when you know something, you had accountable. I said, I, I better stop studying because I, I know too much. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I stopped. But, you know, <laughs> after that, uh, you know, come, getting back. And when I went to Word of Faith in 1988 uh, in January, I went to Jerusalem on a tour. And uh, when I was at, in the city of David, city of David Hotel right there in Jerusalem, uh, the Holy Spirit of uh, Came in the room, the curtain moved back. I saw the curtain move back and everything. Uh, I had my Bible sitting on the uh, table there, and the pages flipped over. And, and I know it was his presence, so I just, I just kneeled. I just got on, got on my face. And uh, he began to minister to me. And then when I got up and looked in the, in the Bible, it was uh, turn to uh, Philippians 2.13. For it is Elohim who is working in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. And that just, they, those verses just jumped right through me. And I knew, and then the next day he was on the elevator. I told Pastor, Pastor, we got to talk. We got to talk. He said, What is it? He said, I had a, I had a visitation and the Lord had called me uh, to minister. And I knew it. He said, Okay then. All right. 
I'm thinking like, don't you supposed to uh, cry or something or shake my hand or, you know, do something? <laughs> you know, he just, you know, he's okay. We're we're talking. We get back. You know, that was that. You know, so um, we get back. You know, I did talk to him. He said, yeah, and you know, it's all right. You know, and so what I did, I got in the uh, seminary, act associate associated Christian theological seminary. That was in eighty um seven. 88, 87, 88, one of those. I got in the seminary. I, we had a seminary there. They started one that was non-traditional. All the leadership classes. I did everything that was required of leadership. Went before the board, took the test, did all of that stuff. So um, that's, I didn't say nothing about no passing. I just said meant because I knew that you had to start, you know, training, preparation. And uh, for the, I, but I also knew what I was training for, but I never said that. Because even then, I thought it was enough pastors as it was. There's too many chiefs and not enough Indians as it is. I said, well, whenever the time comes, you know, I do it, you know. But I'm trying or aspiring to pastor or want to be no pastor, even though on the inside I knew it. See, that inward voice or when the Holy Spirit tell you something, that's the way it needs to be. No one, I mean, other people saw, and other people tell me all the time, man, you call it a pastor. You call, I say, everybody want a pastor. What about the other way? What about going on the street with uh, ministry and I would, let me do something else. Everybody want to do that. You know, that's why I would handle them and get them off me. But, you know, prayer warriors, they would just continue to minister to them. I said, yeah, I know, I know, but I'm not, I'm not running for that. They said, that's the reason why the Holy Spirit won't you because you're not trying to be a show of being front of nobody. Matter of fact, the, the first time I was actually minister, I hid. I was sitting on the front row and we had a, a preacher, <laughs> preacher around. <laughs> we had a preacher, we had so many ministers there. And one would be ministers. Yeah, when it came to me and Dr. Crockett called, he said, uh, where's, where's Minister Larry? And I hid back behind the person. I just leaned back. And he looked over there. He said, well, we got to keep going. Well, someone so someone so you come. Man, I was so glad he didn't see me. But um, I got out of there. <laughs> and then the next Sunday, elder, uh, one of the elders, he was over the prison ministry, and I was working with him. I had been teaching in the prisons and stuff like that. He uh, called me. I said, listen, man, I won't be able to make it. I want you to go out and take your place this morning. I said, take your place doing what? He said, I want you to go out to the to the ministry, and I want you to teach in my, in my place, and you know how to handle things. I said, okay, then. All right. My socks got wet. I said, man, I'm sweating all down. I'm sweating so much. My socks wet. You know, butterflies in my stomach. I, I know I was called. So that inward on the inside, I got ready. I was staying in West Memphis, Arkansas. Drove across the bridge, went out there to FCI. And lo and behold, they brought out about 400 men, chains on their legs, chains on their hands, round their neck, tied together. I said, my goodness, what is this? They ain't never been like this. And I, I stood. That's okay. That's what you, I mean, I know you called me to do this. And uh, with those butterflies and everything, when I got them open my, my mouth, everything left. I knew what I was doing, what I was called and designed to do. With no problem. When I started teaching the word, he had no problem. I never had a problem since then, or even before then when I was teaching. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. I tell people all the time, I can see your calling, your gifting, but you got to hear him because when the, that aloneness takes place, when your Yacob uh, uh, wrestling match takes place, you know, Jacob, we call Jacob uh, Yacob, when that wrestling match uh, took place between him and the angel, you know, that was them two alone. And when you and those alone times will come when the enemy will challenge any person. And if it was an outside calling, you're going to know about it. If it's an inside calling, that calling itself arise to the top and defeat all the doubt and all the critics and all the uh, uh, low, low self-esteem relative to what the, uh, the Holy Spirit have called you to. So in essence, that's what it is. It was on the inside. So, you know, that's why I say I don't care if it's two people or 2,000 or 20,000. That's not my, my, my mission. My mission is to obey him, study, and feed the people what he want me to feed them. Well, uh, that was a lot. But, I mean, it's, it's, that's amazing to hear because they'll help people deal with, you know, the, a lot of the doubt that they have on the inside of wondering what are they called for, you know, um, are they going to be any good at what they call for? You know, all the people that have all the butterflies and the worry and the doubt about, you know, what they feel like the Lord has called them to do. You know, I've talked to different people who, 
you know, it seemed like they just stress about it, you know, just, and maybe it's, they just don't want to fail at what it is that they're called to do. You know, it's not a doubt of, you know, Elohim at all, but just, you know, them thinking like how Moshiach Moses did when Elohim called him in the fiery bush. It's like he was trying to do everything to run away. But yeah. Uh, was that, did I have a last question or did you? I had the last question. Um, you can go ahead and ask one. Okay. Well, I'll comment first. Like, uh, Octavian was saying, like, that's amazing because, like you're saying, it inspires people and give them confidence in, in what they're doing because there are a lot of uh, young ministers that are out there that don't have, you know, leaders that are equipped um, to basically see gifts in them and, and be able to have them on the right track. There are so many people being led astray. So um, that's why we appreciate our show so much. And that's another reason why we brought them on the broadcast, just so you all can hear what we get, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, another question I have for you, Dr. Larry, is that you mentioned the prison ministry. Um, and how long did you do the prison ministry? Uh, 10 years, uh, national and international. Okay. Um, yeah, we was ministering FCI here, you know, in Tennessee, Shelby County. We went downtown. Uh, we went to Parchment, Mississippi. On Saturday, and went we went down there and ministered to all the lockdown, uh, death row. Uh, when I did uh, apostolic work in Belize, real apostolic work, I went to another country <laughs> <laughs> and helped build ministries in another country. That's a real apostle, not one who got a couple churches and can holler and sing. But we went over there and um, we ministered uh, not only. Uh, did the ambassador or missionary apostle? Actually, the word missionary comes from uh, the word root word is apostle, shilea, uh, shilak in the Hebrew. And um, you know, we went out in the woods, not in the hotels and stuff. And we also ministered in those uh, ministries that uh, Elder Lincoln Barry had already uh, started. And we also went to prisons there, whereas uh, you know, there um, when you walk up to a cell. You don't walk up to it from inside. The cell, the bars are outside. So they are exposed right there. You know, it's not like you go down the hall and go into a cell. It's like you walk up to the building. That's the cell. And uh, we ministered to the little guys over there uh, and went all the way down to where they hang them at. I mean, they would have cells lying out down to the hang house. That went on the end. That man knew that he was going to be hung, you know, executed. Uh, so, you know, we had some real, what you call real prison ministry work and saw some horrific conditions. Uh, I tell you this, uh, I know you have a question, but I'm going to tell you this, uh, what happened, this guy named, his name was Sanger, and um, he was possessed with several demons, and they couldn't do nothing with him. Even he was in the cell, they had to put him in the cell by himself, and his name Sanger. And then the, uh, the missionary, local missionary there said, well, well, Ella, won't you come down here and Think you doing a thing with Sanger? And the other missionary, you know, that was with me, said, yeah, man, because we need this, and you a prayer warrior, and blah, blah, blah. Said, Look, I ain't got nothing but the word. Prayer warrior, I don't care. All of that don't mean nothing. Only the word can make uh, can change this man. So, you know, just confidence and boldness in the word. I went down. He said, don't walk too close, because he'll grab you and try to pull you in a cell with him. I said, either the word is real, or uh, he or the devil is real. We're going to find out who who is real. We're going to find out what's what. So I just had a Bible, man. I walked up to the cell, and he he was looking all crazy, and you, you just tell he was just totally just split. I mean, demons just tearing him up. But them demons wouldn't come to the cell, though. And I told him, I said, man, I said, let this man come to the cell and talk to me. And he came over and got a little closer, and I called him by his name. I said, you know what? I got something I want to give to you. And he looked at me. I said, yeah, I got something I want to give to you, and I want to let you know that you may be in prison, but that doesn't make you a prisoner. You're simply a man in prison, and your, your, your mind is bound up by these demons, and I want to set you free. And, man, that dude started crying. And I gave him, I had my Bible, I just gave it to him. I gave it to him, and he looked at me, and like no one had never, ever tried to give him anything or try to help him in that area. And the missionary just thought, she just broke down, the gentleman's with me, 
they broke down, started crying. I'm looking around like, what's going on? They said, this man here have killed people in here. No one go that close to him and no one do that. And all I said was this. The same Elohim that called us and that's on the inside of us is here right now. And if he not, we might as well walk away from all of it. I mean, he is real. And that was a, a, a tremendous, powerful experience then. So, you know, after leaving there and come back to the state, and these little light demons over here, man, I mean, I call American demons, you know, play demons. So they like playing games and getting a show and stuff like that. So, you know, that I had a high level of commitment to confronting uh, these spirits that got these men bound and uh, the in, injustice of the judiciary system and the legal system that put them in jail. These guys haven't done anything and they still receive the word. And we would watch guys come out free in their mind, knowing that they in there didn't do nothing, but yet they they they, they free from the bitterness. So I worked that ten years, and uh, after that was, and I also worked while the youth development center, you know. So my thing was that then everybody else passing want to be in front of somebody, you know, and drive big cars. I, I want to help these people out here. So I always got involved in ministry that was outreach. So it was ten years. I hate to take that long to answer that question. Oh, that's amazing. I was about to say, <laughs> the more information, the better, because uh, that's what people need. Is nobody really, um, you know, like you were saying, talking about doing true outreach. More people are more concerned about numbers. They're more concerned about, you know, um, saying how many people they've saved or what they've done. When you know it's not really anything that we're doing. It's the Father working through us, as you just said. And it's amazing to hear that because a lot of people, I, I, if I can say this, aren't humble enough to um even just say you know what elohim is doing is more so like i was saying about what they're doing and uh like you saying everybody wants to be in front and be in the show there aren't too many people that um will really just go out and do outreach and you know you see we see jehovah witnesses out all the time but that i mean that's their whole agenda is to just um go out and you know speak to many people give away uh as many books as they can but i my question to uh that i have for some of them like who are y'all you know really helping because it seems like more they're more secluded than they are trying to be out and be an example as we teach uh as you teach dr laird as the kingdom message is um being an ambassador in the earth so right. not it's really good yeah well you're on the jw is um See, the thing about it, our belief system is the most powerful force on earth that exists in us. And they actually believe that there is no hell. They actually believe that only 144,000 is going to heaven. They actually believe that what they are doing is going to guarantee them eternal life on earth. They believe it. So even though they are going out, they are going out uh, on a lie, on that which is false. You know, and they change their doctrine, they do different things. And my respect, not honor, but my respect for them, my respect for uh, Muslims, uh, Islam, and other uh, religious people, is that at least they believe what they believe. They believe it to the point that they do it. The Muslim women, if they believe that the women supposed to be discreet, I don't care how hot it is outside, you see them everywhere, they're covered up from head to toe because they believe that. They have... They believe in what they believe in. Christians are the only one that say one thing and do another. Uh, the JWs, they, they do what they do. The uh, Mormons, you see them out on bikes and T-shirts and stuff like that. You know, uh, one of the most racial supremacist religion that ever existed. And, and they changing and going back and forth. They doing, they, but, but to the Christian, this religious system is terrible. You know, that's why I can't, I can't say that no longer, knowing what this religious system is all about because the belief system is so contaminated that it has actually exalted the Christian as God and brought, uh, let me put it this way, you can't bring him down, but attempt to bring Elohim to their level versus them meeting his level. Let me put it like that. You know, so um, I just want to say that when you, you mention that, uh, I respect him. And I tell him when I see him, I respect him. Hey, let's talk. And I, I, one finally came to my house, and uh, they sent some help, <laughs> you know, because I was just being nice and talking to them and getting them to think. 
And he uh, saw him make a phone call. He called some of the other elders to come get him because he couldn't handle the knowledge I had for him. And the niceness and the kind of, hey, your kids, they can go upstairs. I know they don't believe in games and all this. So they can go up and, and with my kids. They can play the games and play around. And me and you, we can talk some more because I want to talk about the scriptures and, and what you believe and what you are saying. That didn't last that long. They can't get it. And that's the only chance I got opportunity to really get one one-on-one. It was white guy too. And because the devil knows. You know, these spirits know the truth. They stay away from truth carriers who not only speak the truth, but are living the truth. And that's my encouragement as we uh, end this, you know. Uh, no, I just let y'all ask me what I got to say, and I'll be through. Let me do it like that. It's back to you. <laughs> you can go ahead, Octave. <laughs> um, one question I had was, what would you say was your toughest trial that you – I wasn't to share on the podcast that you've been through that you wouldn't want others to go through. And what advice would you have for someone who's going through that thing right now? I got too many to mention. I'm serious. It's, it's just, it's, it's hell, high water, more, more hell than high water. I think I've been through hell, high water, low water, mid water, all of it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the biggest thing is um, uh, the challenge with family, the challenge with family and, and wanting to have a functioning uh, family with the seed turning out like like uh, the word describes it. I put it that way, you know, how, how the word describes, you know, in their relationship, you know, with sons and with daughters uh, like uh, Abraham and Yisik. Whereas he trusted his father to the point that he would allow his father to kill it because he knew it was the Lord's will. Or the relationship that uh, Yephanah had with his daughter that he dedicated uh, her not knowing it. That if, you know, I mentioned it today. He said, if you give me this uh, to win this battle uh, with the Am- Amorites, then the first one that come out my house on my return, I'll give them to you. And when he returned to his house, the first person came out of his home was, was his only daughter. And it, it hurt him so bad because it was his only daughter. But his daughter said, Dad, if this is what agreement you made with the Lord, do not change it for me. What a relationship. So that is uh, one of the toughest things uh, that I experienced. My dreams and visions concerning the outcome uh, of what I was saying in the scripture uh, to be be that way uh, with my own. Number two, uh, financially, there's some decisions that I made with ministry and taking my own resources uh, to help the Holy Spirit out, you know. And then that put me in a in a place whereas you could say uh, almost. Uh, I couldn't lose it because of tithing and first fruit giving, but uh, just looking naturally at financial uh, laws and stuff, we don't supposed to have anything. But it was out of uh, ignorance, a dumb, honest ignorance that I was doing what I was doing because I was saying I'm not going to let the house of the Lord go go to waste or anything like that. I'm not going to live good and watch this house fail. <clears throat> but I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, and I heard it, you know. And I didn't listen to him trying to do it my way. And I learned so much. I had property in Hawaii and other places, even decisions I made with that, trying to pay credit cards off and keep my credit going. And all that kind of stuff was to no avail. Um, you know, doing that and then at the same time, um, I watched the, the father, you know, do what he did, miraculous things and what he did and turning things. And uh, basically what we started doing is it just – Sticking uh, at uh, strict with the uh, kingdom economics, we always returned tithes, always gave offerings. We wasn't doing the first fruits on an ongoing basis. We started doing that. I started saying, "No, my family, I'm going to take care of them. I'm not going to travel nowhere on no credit card. If, if somebody asks me to come support them, I can't do it. I don't uh, family first, you know, things like this." It's, uh I did that and went through that, and uh, that was tough. Very, very tough having a three-year economic drought and doing that three-year economic drought, I'm going to show you what I did. You know, I never stopped doing things. I wrote a, I wrote a couple of books we have. I wrote them. Uh, 
six to eight hours a day praying persistently, constantly, uh, studying. If, if I wasn't praying or studying, I was with my wife doing something, working some small job, writing a book, and she was right with me. And, and we just went through that. Now I have the knowledge you know, to tell people different things and to help them avoid all of that. So like I said, it's, it's a whole life of uh, facing challenges, not because I'm the, uh, the most evil person, but being hated without a cause and being fought uh, like hell because I just simply choose to obey and believe the word. The third one was a character assassin. What hurt me the most was people saying stuff. I'm in, I, I'm, I, I wasn't even there. And they got me doing so. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even squeeze the shaman. And they got me in bed with different women. I'm thinking like, what the, I mean, what, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, and I was going <laughs> to leave Memphis because I said, hey, this, I don't had enough of this because they got me doing stuff. I don't even know how to, how, to, how they say the milk taste or chocolate or whatever they're saying, the Kool-Aid taste. I don't even know that. I didn't get a chance to do nothing. They got me doing stuff. And I had filled out <laughs> 80 applications, you know, from a contractor's license, state, federal contractor's license. And I was going to California. I was the heck with these jokers here. I mean, they can have it. I'm serious because I said that they are not real to be saying these things. And I'm out here doing my best to do what's right. So, you know, things like that I went through. And that was very challenging. Uh, however, uh, I learned uh, from the Holy Spirit uh, who to trust, who not to trust and how to really discern people. So like I said, it's, my, my life is a book, you know. It's a book, and it's so much has happened. I don't share a lot. Y'all hear, first time you, both of you are hearing me say some things I'm saying now because I just don't brag about stuff, and I, I just rather you see the lifestyle, you know. You see the word and the living, you know, and, and you see what manifests out of that. And, you know, you get time asking stuff, I'll tell you about things. So that's why when I say things and, and give directions, you know, I say it, I say, listen, I can help you. And I got the answer if you'll listen, if you'll do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And many times I don't even go into the testimonies and what I've been through because I'm checking this individual out to see whether or not they trust or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see the life and hear the stories. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of them. Yeah, just write them down. Um, that was actually one of the areas I was going to ask you about next, about, you know, being a father and different things because i know that can be a challenge being a uh, a pastor because um because i was gonna say one thing that you really see here in america is that you see so many pastors fit that they exceed it seems like in ministry but when it comes to their family it's just in turmoil um but one thing that we've seen and learned from you is and we know that you teach a lot on family and the family structure and how um we should operate as um father husbands in the earth um but I know we probably gonna have to do a part two or something because this was good and um, I know we running out of time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. But um, do you do you have to go now, Pastor? Do you have time for one more question or? No, I'm good. My wife taking a nap. I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> she wake up. I gotta go. I think yeah. uh, I balance and family. That's an example of balancing family and ministry. <laughs> you know, she was sitting there listening. She just get involved in what I do, but she sleep now. But when she get up, I, I got to go. <laughs> go ahead. I think I asked the last question, Derek, so I think it's on you. Um, okay. The question I was actually going to ask, and um, it's kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, but you see a lot of people talk about, they call it, you know, the, the Messianic scriptures, they call it the New Testament, and, you know, they call the the Torah, the Tanakh, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And they say that the um, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, mm-hmm. we know that uh, coming to knowledge of original truth, that if you mm-hmm. look at the original text, it was written in Hebrew. Um, mm-hmm. So... But there are a lot of people who go, you know, they teach it in seminaries all across America. Right. You have so many people caught up in religion. They, they study the Greek and um, how I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words. I had it written down. Um, here we go. How can you show them the value of using the original language Hebrew instead of the Greek and how they can get more understanding out of the word? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um 
uh, and that's how powerful our religion is. That's how powerful our religion is and the belief system, you know, because you got a whole culture that the Bible was based on. I say Bible, that simply means book of books. And you got uh, falsified history uh, that's there. Greek Roman, uh, Greek or what I call what what is it called Greco, Greco Roman, uh, based on Roman, and you look at the culture, and I'm gonna get to your question. I'm, I mean, I'm getting to it now. The culture, look at the culture of uh, Christianity, the culture of America, the culture of what the Western culture, is all based on Roman Greek, and our courts they are set up like Roman basilicas. Uh, you get uh, attorneys have to learn Latin and different legal language, and then you look at the religious end. You have all the pay. You got Easter. You have uh, Christmas. You have all these uh, uh, holidays that you can trace back to the Rome and to the Greeks. You don't trace any of it to Africa or Israel. Israel's in Africa. The Suez Canal was put there in, the, in, the, in World War II to separate uh, North Africa from the continent so they could call it uh, something different to push Israel up in Europe area. You know, you got a lot of uh, stuff that's going on. So, what I do if someone really want to know i found this out just teach just teach and try to prove nothing you know in classes i do it and show you the proof but you just teach and take those uh like those hebrew letter words and give them meaning and break it down without no uh assistance of a lexicon or you know a strong's or genesius they, they are good but at the same time well you can get those meaning without that and, and prove it out uh, uh, a person who want to know the truth they are open to hear. Now, those who are religious and they their religion is number one, they, they don't want to know the truth because in order, if they if they acknowledge the truth, they have to acknowledge that the founding fathers of America were wrong. The uh, religion that they taught, it was wrong. All the present-day systems are wrong. And every time they say America is a biblical-based nation, they are lying. They have to acknowledge all of this in order to really say, okay, the Greek was not the original. Why would a Hebrew write in Greek? And Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us clearly that the Hebrews detested the Greeks as well as their language. Now, who want to, well, you know, I was taught that in seminary. You know, Greek was the most common language, like English, and there was a lot of Greek-speaking Hebrews and so-and-so, 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 and blah, 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 blah. They told me that they didn't tell me the other side. When I started researching on my own, I saw the other side, and I found a African Ethiopic, which is Ethiopia, uh, which means black. When I found that, uh, Ethiopia, the original word is Kemite, which means black, black people, not just black land, black people. Uh, and I, I said, wait a minute, how are they talking about the original was in Greek, and you got this black Bible, a black translation, that's older than that. So how you do that? How you lie like that? And so that opened the door to all the lies. So to address that, you always just use facts. 150 AD, Bishop Melito, Melito, a Catholic bishop of Sardis, is the one that coined that term, the New Testament. Prior to that, the Messianic scriptures. Check the um, uh, Catholic libraries. It's there. It's documented how they even brought separation. They wanted to separate uh, the Christians uh, from the Hebrew roots, uh, and they called them detestable people and we don't want to put uh, we want to put Passover on Easter, our most holy day we had already, and we dare not let these Hebrews see it was black folk was a problem. That's that, that's what they that the, that that is what the problem was. Them black Israelites was teaching them the scripture, and they weren't having that. You know, the Italians weren't having that, and and so they start separating stuff. So what I do is give give them history now. Uh, so what you gonna do? We ain't got to go to no Bible. Let's go to history and find out what happened, and deal with it like that from that angle. Yeah, I know for me, when I was first coming to the ministry and I was hearing about the Hebrew language, I, when I heard you teaching it, it's just, it made so much sense. And, you know, I know that's because, you know, I was letting the Holy Spirit basically, you know, lead me and guide me. So I was, you know, uh, open to it, you know, I, in the hard time, in the beginning of trying to uh, learn it, you know, that kind of would want to steer you away from it because you felt like it was difficult. Like, man, I won't be able to learn all this and this is a whole another language. But, you know, going in and actually digging deep into it, like when we learned in the ministry that the original 
Um, Hebrew word for slave is abad, which is the same word as uh, tend uh, in the beginning when um, Adam was told to tend and to keep the garden. Um, and that they wrongly translated that all throughout scripture. You know, so many, I, I'll say black people, need to hear that because you'll hear them say so much that, you know, man, I'm not reading no Bible or I'm I'm not, you know, believing in, you know, no Christian God because it the scriptures basically um, say that slavery is a good thing. It allows slavery. And it's like, man, even if you didn't know the Hebrew language, if you just sat down and read the scripture, I mean, every time that the people were in bondage, wrongfully in bondage, they were set free when they turned to Elohim. So how could he be for something that he's clearly against? Right. So. Right. It's got a lot of blacks going to the ancestors religion. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, believe me, uh, like in Memphis, there are, oh, my wife's eyes open. I have to go in a minute. In Memphis, <laughs> <laughs> in Memphis, French and heaven now, in Memphis, known as a city of churches, if, if, the, if, if, if all the black people in our city, and I say there's over 6% black, were to just any day of the week say, okay, I'm going to go to church. You don't have enough buildings to hold them. Mm-hmm. Not enough buildings to hold them. So when we get to, you know, looking at numbers and all this kind of stuff, you know, a far greater number have fought, have went to Islam. They go into other stuff. They go now. They, the younger ones are going to the ancient religions because they saying these people hate us. They use all this and use that Bible to uh, to keep us in bondage. And they are right. They're absolutely. Right. I tell them, no, you're right. But let me show you the scriptures, not the Bible. Let me show you the scriptures. And you're going to find yourself just like the Hebrew language is an ancient African Hebrew language, you know, and I've, you all been to the classes. We're shown the proof uh, back in 2012, uh, a doctor in, in Canada, they discovered a stone that was written in the, uh, the Madhu uh, uh, Kater, Nida, Madhu Nida. That's the actually Kemite or Egyptian word. Uh, for a hieroglyph. A hieroglyph is a Greek word that the Greeks came came up with, and it, it, it means sacred writing, and the original word is Madu Neder. That's the ancient Kemet, or even the word Egypt is, is Greek. That's their word, the original word, and, and he is, and, and that language, that uh, those writings with the pictures, uh, when, you, when you look at the ancient Hebrew, you can't tell them apart. Hmm. And, and oftentimes mention that you, you know, in classes, you know, the scholars that, you know, the modern Hebrew is the reason why they changed that, 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 those writings, the appearance of the writers, trying to get it away from Africa to make it appear that it was uh, Mesopotamia, somewhere, you know, north, out of Africa, you know, and, and they'll say the Israelites were olive, olive skin and, and blah, 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 all those are lies. And then the Muslims out here in Farrakhan telling y'all they were black folks, they got facts, they, they are right. I don't, I, yes, they are absolutely right. So you get all these uh, young black people like your age and stuff like that coming up, seeing this, because y'all got no sense to study for yourself, you know, and they'll say, I don't want to have them do with no church. I'm through with it. And then you look at people that are still tied up in it, and, and you just can't figure out why they're like it. Where's the belief system? It's a belief system. And I, and I believe that the young ones that are coming out, uh, our thoughts on it, and the way the Holy Spirit is leading us to train and teach people is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The word, the scriptures are right. Elohim, mm-hmm. he is right. You still, mm-hmm. even though after you find out you're a Hebrew and you find out all the facts and the proper history, historical data and the, uh, genetics and the melon and all that, when you get through with all of that, you still going to hell if you haven't been born again. If you don't acknowledge Yeshua as being Lord, owner, him being king, believe that what he did, even though they changed the story, they use different uh, things to change stuff around uh, to water it down. You still got to come through him. And I know so many brothers, they get the knowledge of who they are in the history, but they still not born again. And the scripture is still standing. Uh, you, nothing, no one can enter uh, the kingdom of Elohim unless it's through the blood of Yeshua. No one can come to the Father unless they come through him, the man who paid the price for all of our rebellious acts and the things that we have done. The ancestors can't pay the price. Only one man can pay the price. The ancestors knew the man 
that we are talking about today. They knew about them when they came here uh, as prisoners of war on the slave boats. That's why you know, the white folks thought they taught us something. It, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't someone that we weren't aware of. Our people wasn't aware of, and they just simply uh, condensed to their way of doing it so they can get some pressure off of them, so they can survive, and hopefully their seed would come up and rise up and get into knowledge and find out who they are. So we're we're smart people. Just like Sheol put the Sadducees against the Pharisees. Smart people. Sheol was a black man. The scriptures say you can't change the color of a, a take the a, change the uh, spots on a leopard, neither can you change uh, of what a Kemite, his color. And he was talking about Sheol. There's some black. He, his skin color was black, dark black. You know, but all through the scripture and every picture you see, he a different color. You know, so uh, that right there is uh, is a huge and it's big. And like I said, um, and let me just stop right there, uh, so I don't eat up all your time. That's good. That's good. You got some yeah. comment there? <laughs> nah, that was pretty much it. Um, I was gonna let you end it. Okay. Well, um, I know you was talking about you know a lot of younger people nowadays are going to that you know ancestry religion, but there's you know also this new wave of. You know, the Hebrew Israelite uh, trend is going on nowadays. Uh, If someone is listening uh, to this right now, who they might be leaning towards going to that Hebrew Israelite way, uh, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them right now? Well, I would tell them the real Hebrew Israelite knew about the coming Messiah. They knew about Yeshua. They knew that. They knew what his purpose was. They knew that they needed... Uh, a messiah, a deliverer, they were looking for him, and he have come and gone. So even though we find out uh, ancient ancestry and who we are, that should motivate any person even the more to know that they need to be born again when you get through with it. I mean, that was the problem all the time. They said you're going to look on him whom they peer, and they're going to repent. They're going to regret that the messiah was right there, and they looked over him and then acknowledge him and the scripture said all israel israel will be saved however um that if if the uh the scripture says salvation over titus salvation have appeared once to all men that word salvation is yeshua he have appeared once to all men so i would challenge those of the hebrew israelites and others to not do the same thing the forefathers did and that is disregard messiah look crucify messiah have him right in the midst of you walking with you talking with you and you still crucify him that's that's what he messed up at they rejected the chief cornerstone you know so that's what i would i would tell them i mean go on with your uh you want to keep like this uh, your car called james the scripture says if any man want to keep the torah and everything involved in it then you do it and you do it all you don't do part of it. that's fine and you got no problem with that but at the same time, you cannot reject Yeshua Messiah. I'm not talking about the white man with the brown hair and the blonde eyes. I'm talking about the one the scripture talking about. So that, they can have that. So what's the point of getting off into that and doing the same thing, going the same era, going around in the desert again because of rejecting Messiah? That's what I would tell them. And that's what I do tell them now. You know, I say Thing sometimes say, yeah, you found out you're a Hebrew, but are, uh, are you born again? Even uh, Ben Garan, the original name for Nicodemus, Ben Garan, he went to Yeshua by night and said, "What man, what I got to do to get born again? He, he, he wasn't trying to keep, he recognized that Judaism wasn't the way because it had got away from the Torah, the Tanakh. And he said, what, and, and Yeshua told him what he needed to do. You know, and they were seeking him. They were looking for him. Abraham. Uh, was looking for Yeshua. He talked about Yeshua, you know, all through the scriptures. So I would tell them to jump, don't just go on history. You got to base it on the word. It's the word and the spirit will always agree. The word of truth and the spirit of truth will always agree. You can't just go on documentation and leave out the spirit of that documentation who would breathe on it, give it a revelation, and give you illumination so you have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to say this right here, and we're going to get out of here. Originally, there was no written word. Adam and Matanisa Negad, they did not have no scriptures. There was nothing documented. The father talked to them orally. 
wasn't no nothing right, no nothing to follow. Wasn't no book to do this and, and, and to do that and do that. It, it wasn't there. The documentation came in after man rebelled. So, and I know the Hebrew Israelites are strong on dietary laws and this, that, and other. But he said, I'm going to take out that stony heart and I'm going to put a heart of flesh in and I'm going to write my laws, my instructions, my teachings on your heart. And I'm going to live with you. Won't be, you won't need no scrolls. The scrolls is on the inside of you. And that's one thing that I see going on that people are getting history and they're going back to the same way. And going backwards, getting, getting information, getting history, and going backward instead of moving forward. That's the big error. And that's where we come in with our ministry and those that I'm teaching, the rabbis that I'm teaching right now, you and uh, Octavian and DJ and all those are under our teaching, our school of thought. That's what I'm teaching you all, how to get in there and bring them around and how to get in here with this religious stuff and bring people around to the truth, how to stop this exodus from the scriptures and from Elohim that's being carried out through history and fact and turn it and show them the Messiah. That's what we're all about. Appreciate y'all so much. All right. Well, we thank you for your time, Pastor. Um, any last words you want to say, DJ? No, we just appreciate it. Just so glad that you would take time out to, you know, come on here and do the podcast with us. Um, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Be blessed. All right. Be blessed. Hold on. All right. Well, we thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Kingdom Conversations. We really hope you enjoyed our special guest. He gave some really great knowledge, some uh, really great things to go into, uh, you know, really study over and meditate on and things like that. So we thank you guys so much and shalom. Shalom.